0: Cynthia Hyatt.
1: Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and thank you for joining me today. This is Conversations with Cynthia. Always glad when we have new listeners and, you know, just the rest of us that are here every week. So thank you for joining me. And I'm always praying uh, every Sunday that your week goes well, that you are able to see God in the midst of your life and in your interactions with others. And that you are really experiencing his presence and know that he hears your hearts and knows that he hears your needs. And so I'm glad to be with you absolutely today. And we are going to talk about this idea of peace and the peace that passes all understanding. I think it's really appropriate just with the way the world is going and the things that we are experiencing in our own lives, in our own country, that we really remind ourselves of peace and how very, very important it is for us to focus on peace. And so I entitled this particular show, I Am With You Always. And I want to start with this verse. This is in uh, John and it is chapter fourteen, twenty-seven, out of the Message Bible. And this is what Jesus says before he transcends to heaven. He says, I am leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you. Peace. I don't leave you the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned, bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. And so I love just the heart of this verse. Then he says, I'm not leaving you the way way you're used to being left, where you're feeling abandoned or bereft or distraught. So he's saying that this is his legacy. This is out of the, and, and the version of John fourteen twenty seven, out of The Voice, which is a different translation, it says, my peace is the legacy I leave to you. I don't give gifts like those of this world. Do not let your heart be troubled or fearful. You see, peace is God's parting gift to us. And it's not a gift that wears out. It's not a gift that has to be recharged. You don't have to go get new batteries for it. It's not a gift that runs out of style. This is the gift that Jesus gives us. In the midst of turmoil, upset, worry, strife, pain, anguish, God says, I'm with you, and I'm giving you my peace. So of all the parting gifts that Jesus could have left us, He left us his peace. Not love, not faith, although those are very valuable things. But he left peace. I mean, isn't that interesting? See, this is the culmination of everything Jesus taught. Everything he demonstrated while on earth. Jesus left his legacy of peace for us to follow. So I found myself ruminating on this passage and being drawn back to it like recently, like just now, this week, is why we're focusing on this today. And, and I believe there's great truth to be found in this really short exchange that Jesus had with his disciples. <clears throat> and what I want you to think about more than anything is this idea that worry and peace cannot coexist, So peace chases out worry, and worry chases away peace. So you can't have worry and peace at the same time. Why why is this? Well, God designed our brains to only process either worry or peace. You see, neuroscientists, they've discovered a really, truly interesting phenomenon, And this is regarding the human brain. And it is something like an on-off switch. And so it cannot focus on both a positive and a negative feeling at the same time. And it's interesting to recognize that our brain, it is truly like this on-off switch. It's either on-piece or off-piece. So it can't focus on a positive and a negative at the same time. And interestingly enough, the brain is always going to pick the negative before the positive. It's kind of an unconscious survival mechanism. This is why it's so much easier to think about negative things. Why our brain might be more prone to negativity. I mean, can you relate to that? I'm sure you can, because this is, uh, this is all of our struggle, is to not have that stinking thinking, right? So our brains are trying to help us avoid pain. And so it will unconsciously focus on the problem rather than on the solution. So I'm going to say that to you again. Our brains are always trying to help us avoid pain. As a result, unconsciously it focuses on the problem rather than the solution. Or maybe I should say we unconsciously focus on it. Our brain consciously focuses on the negative. So we all know the proverb that states, for as a man thinketh within, so he is. That's Proverbs 23, 7. And this just simply means the more I worry about things and people and situations, the more worrisome the world around me feels. The more I worry, the more anxious I am about people, places, and things, the more anxious I become, and the more my mind finds to worry about it's truly a vicious cycle. <clears throat> Excuse me. So think about this again. Jesus gave us peace as his parting gift. That's his parting gift to us. He's putting a lot of emphasis on peace. If that's the gift that he gave. If that's the one thing he said to his disciples before he, he, the transfiguration, he said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not be troubled. Do not be dismayed. And, and so this is a tough thing because it means that we have to have an internal battle with ourselves. because it's easy to be discouraged, dismayed, worried, upset. This world is not an easy place to live in. And, and it's natural for us in our fallen state to go to the negative. So Jesus must have known how important peace was to our hearts and to our souls and our minds and our physical bodies, because he himself dealt with immense struggles here on earth, yet he never worried. Think about that. He dealt with immense struggles to the point of death and ultimately dying, yet he never worried. So why was Jesus able to make such good decisions and never be anxious and never make a mistake? Well, obviously, because he's God, that's one thing. But he was God in human form. So he had to work in a human body with a human brain, grounded by the earth, just like we do. And so the one thing that helped him make good decisions to not be anxious is that he always was in communion with his father and that helped him stay continuously at peace. And so this is where he's got a, he's got a platform of peace. Doesn't mean he didn't have upset or negative feelings. I mean, my goodness, he, he, you know, bled drops of perspired drops of blood hanging on the cross. This was not easy stuff that he was doing but he didn't worry about what people thought about him. He wasn't anxious about whether or not he would be successful. He wasn't trying to convince people of what the truth was. He understood what it meant to feel misunderstood, to feel misperceived, to feel not liked, to feel unseen, to feel uncared for, to feel not wanted. And yet he still had peace. So when we look at this, (coughs) we understand that how we embrace peace in the midst of circumstances, how do we do that? How do we embrace peace when our circumstances beg for us to spiral into anxiety and despair? How do we do that? Now, most of us, and I'm sure this, this will ring true with you, one of the ways we try not to spiral into despair, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, is by logic reason and logic we're going to try to reason our way out of it we're going to come up with a solution we're going to try to talk ourselves out of it when really the answer is all about trust who do you trust do you trust you and then trust god do you trust your spouse or your friends or the world your money your appearance your possessions And then you trust your friends, and then you trust God. Do you trust your pets more? Who do you trust? Because this is what's so powerful. Jesus gave us his peace as his legacy for us. We need to learn to trust him. He knows what it's like down here. He knows exactly what it's like. And so I recently had this aha moment when I was caring for my cat and I was, you know, pouring cat food into the bowl. And, and of all things, I felt the Lord speak to me. He said, Cynthia, you feed and care for your cat every day and every night. Even though she's not always the best cat, but she belongs to you. So you give her what she needs, even if she doesn't merit it. And she just receives it, trusting that the next meal will be right there when she needs it. And I thought, that is simple. I need to practice that with Jesus. I need to simply say, I trust him. I trust him. He's going to get me what I need, when I need it, how I need it, and in the way I need it. And instead of, see, my my cat doesn't try to figure all this out. She doesn't try to figure out how I get the food. She knows where it is because she'll jump up on the counter and look at the cupboard that it's in. But she doesn't know that I drive a car to go pick up the food. She doesn't know the manufacturing company that makes the food. She just simply knows I'm going to feed her. And I will make sure that she will get what she needs. And she trusts. So I want you to be thinking about this. We're going into a break. And I want you to join me on the other side. Because we're going to talk more about this idea. That Jesus really gave us this gift. And many times we leave the gift at home, or we don't take the gift into our heart. We just think of it as a thought. Yeah, I know Jesus gave me peace. So we want to really assimilate the peace that passes all understanding. So join me in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and I will talk to you in a couple of minutes. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for joining me today, and taking time on your Sunday just to maybe set your week well. And so we're really talking about this this whole cor- first quarter of 2019 of having the best year ever, and how to set yourself up to really have a good year. And remember, having a good year, a successful year whatever it is, doesn't always mean that everything is great and that all, all good things happen to you. So we're really driving home the point of building your house on the rock and that there are some rules, some standards, some just behaviors um, that, that we want to adhere to that help us to do that. And so we talked a lot in the last segment about forgiveness and the need for forgiveness of ourselves and of others and loving yourself and loving others. And that one of the greatest gifts that you could give to God is to love the ones that he loves. And you are one of the ones that he loves. And I don't know about you, but for me, loving me is much harder than loving other people. Much, much more difficult. And it's also sometimes something I just frankly don't even want to do. And so one of the ways I know that it pleases God is if I love me, because He loves me. So if you have a hard time with that concept, think about how you feel when people you love are loved by other people. Think about how it feels if somebody loves your pets, right? They love your children. They love your spouse. They love your family. And how wonderful it feels when people love the people you love. So think about how honoring it is to God when you care about the one he cares for. And he cares for you. And he's depending on you to care for you. So I can't say this often enough. Just as you depend on people to care for the ones you love and care for your pets, God is depending on you to care for you. I know how my family felt when my father was in hospice actually he was only supposed to be there for about three weeks to four weeks that that was about the amount of time they gave him to live and he ended up being there nine months so it was a very big test in endurance for him and for my family and for the caregivers at hospice but I'm telling you what one of the most comforting things for my mother and for me was how much those people cared about my father because I couldn't care for him 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and neither could my mom. She, she's too elderly. She's too. It would be too difficult for her. We cared for my mom, and hospice cared for my father. And so it was a wonderful feeling for me to go home at night and know that my father was being treated well, because he was so fragile. And I was, it was wonderful for me to know I could trust these people to care for my father. So think about this. How comforting it is to God when you care for you. And then I really want you to be looking for God everywhere. He shows up in some of the most unusual places if you're willing to look for him. And he loves to be seen. And he loves to have the credit, and not because he needs it, but because he loves relationally. Doing things for people that help them and encourage them. And he loves it when we notice it and when we tell others about it. Think about God as a relational being. All those qualities that really show up in our relationships are the same with God. We're made in his image. So God loves to be seen. He loves to be noticed. He loves to be talked to. To look for God everywhere. He wants us to find him, and he wants us to tell people about him. And then I really want you to be practicing again gratitude. And if you missed the show that we did on gratitude, we have some that are in the five-day-a-week shows, so there's a whole week of those, a series of those. And then there's also one that is just one-hour one show on gratitude. And I, I really want you to take seriously having a grateful heart, And that this really, even if the world, many of the researchers that have researched gratitude don't have necessarily a a true spiritual relationship with the God that we serve, but they do not ever refute the health qualities that come from gratitude. And that people that are grateful live better, enjoy their life better, even if there's hardship. They withstand the test of time and they withstand the storms of life much better when they're grateful. And so they've done lots of research on gratitude and how it affects your life and how it affects your outlook, what kind of endurance it gives you, and resiliency that it will bring to your life as well. So think about those things and think about the things that you can be very thankful for. (coughs) Excuse me. I also want you to work on making peace with your past, and we've talked about this at, at length, that the past needs to be the past. And we only look at the past to learn from it. We don't ever use the past to beat ourselves up with. Because the past is over and we can't change it. So one of the ways that we honor the past is to learn from it. We either keep doing what's working or we stop doing things that don't work. And please don't give a whole lot of time and energy trying to figure out what everybody's thinking about you and trying to manage what people think about you and trying to figure out ways to have them always think good things about you. Just be who God has called you to be. God makes wonderful people. Wonderful people. The problem is we don't always act like the way that God made us. So enjoy how God made you. Appreciate how God made you. Know and remind yourself that you are one of a kind. You will never be repeated. You are that unique. And God was very glad that he created you. He might not always be happy about everything I do, but God has not regretted creating me, just as God has not regretted creating you. The only time we see in the Bible of regret is when Jesus said to Judas, Wow, it would be better if you would have never been born. And he didn't say that with derision or hatred or anger. He said it with sympathy and compassion and pity. He said, You know, you've been with me all these three years, and, dude, you never, never got it. Your eternity is not going to be very fun, and it would have been better probably if you would not have been created because then you wouldn't be having to face hell. So this is really important to understand, that God does not regret making people. He loves people, and he loves you. So make sure that you are enjoying who God has made you to be, and that you don't stress and worry about the thought of others. Worry about what God thinks about you. And also, make sure that you don't put put thoughts into God's mind unless he told you that those are his thoughts. So make sure relationally that you are actually asking him what he thinks. And that when he tells you, you believe what he thinks. And always know that the truth will set you free. So if he tells you something and you think he's telling you something and it puts you into bondage, it's not from God. It doesn't mean God always says good, happy, fun things to me. But he does tell me the truth and it does set me free. Join me again in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. I hear the whispers in my well, welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for listening to Conversations with Cynthia today, and we are talking about rules for life. We are talking about the best year ever. We are talking about building your house on the rock, not on the sand. And so there are some things that we can do to really position ourselves to have a really great year. And remember when I say having a really great year, a good year, doesn't always mean without hardship or hurt or sadness. Or failure has everything to do with what it causes us to be as people how does it affect us and are we better because of it and are we making sure that we're not sabotaging ourselves by doing things that are going to certainly create hardship and upset in our life and so we talked in the last segment we were really talking about this idea of you know not comparing yourself to other people not worrying about what other people think, and that really taking advantage of time. And I have really come to find in my life that time really is a gift. And I can take advantage of time. And the only thing, and I tell this to clients every day, you know, if there's blood, broken bones, nobody's breathing, or fire, I don't have time. I have to do something immediately. Otherwise, I always have time. And I can even wait a couple of seconds before I respond to somebody. I can even, even say to them, you know what? Can you give me a little time to think about this? I need to get back to you. I don't have to do anything immediately. I can actually take time about making decisions. And sometimes just taking five seconds to pause can feel really long but it really gives you some time to just think for a minute instead of rushing to a reaction or rushing to a decision. So take advantage of time. God has placed us in time for a reason. And so we are walking through time. So take advantage of the time that God has given you and make sure that you don't compare your lives to others in a negative manner of putting them in a one-up or a one-down position, You, you really can't compare things that are not the same, right? And you are not like anybody else. You are unique. Nobody else has been you. Nobody will be you. There's only one you. So I always am telling myself, I tell clients every day, if you're going to compare, compare yourself to yourself. Am I better than I was yesterday? Am I better than I was three years ago? Am I better than the last moment I had? So if I'm going to compare, I need to compare myself to myself or compare myself to somebody that I actually want to really be like, and that's Jesus. So how would Jesus have done that? What would he have said? What would he do? What would he feel like? What would he think? And so I can compare myself to Jesus. I'm obviously going to fall very short. So we're thankful that there is no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus. But please don't compare yourself to other people and put yourself in a one up or a one down position to other just mistake making people that are working out their salvation with fear and trembling just as you and I are. And so don't think so much all the time. Don't get so caught up in your own mind that you're constantly tearing things apart, putting things back together, analyzing things, reanalyzing things. Really let your mind relax a little bit and let it do its job for you and enjoy the mind that God has given you. And ask God for a sharper mind, because he will help the thinking process. He will help you to be able to think in a more Christ-like manner. And what happens then is we come to find that nobody can really make us happy. They can give us happy moments, happy experiences, but you are in charge of your own happiness. That's why gratitude is such a big deal. The more grateful you are, the happier you will be. Happiness is not something out there that you go acquire. It isn't an experience. It's not something you buy. Happiness has everything to do with your own peace. How at peace are you with you? How at peace are you with God? How at peace are you with the world? And how grateful are you for the life God has given you and the people that he has brought to you and the opportunities he has walked you through, good, bad, or indifferent. So make sure that you position yourself for happiness, and that when there is sadness, when there is anger, that it's an appropriate response to a situation, that it isn't a state of being. I don't want you just to be a sad, depressed person as a state of being. And I don't want you to be just an angry person that is constantly finding new things to be angry about. I want you to be overall happy, content, at peace, joyful. So that if you are angry or sad, it's because you can actually attribute it to a certain situation. So this is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we talk about some things to just stop doing to yourself that will really help this year be much better for you. I hear the whispers in my well, good afternoon and happy Sunday to you. Thank you so much for joining me and taking time out of your day to just spend time with me and and listen to some things that I think are going to be very helpful and encouraging to you in your life's journey. And we are really taking this first quarter of the year of 2019 to position it to be the best year ever. And how do we make it the best year ever? And what does the best year ever mean? Well, it doesn't always mean everything's good. It doesn't mean the best year ever because there has been no tragedy or no hardship. It means that the best year ever helps me be better, that I become the best me. I become the best version of myself, and that is a good year. And so we've talked at length about building your house on the rock, and that's Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27. I want you to really take a look at that verse that really talks about taking these words seriously that Jesus was saying on the Sermon of the Mount. And when you think about the fact that Jesus is the Word of God, he is the Word in flesh, that we really want Jesus to be our foundation. That Jesus, the Word of God, is our foundation. And that's what we build our life on. So when we look at these different ways of of living. And we talked in the last, you know, part of the, the first half hour and, the, and, and just a little while ago, just about some things that we maybe want to do in terms of making sure that we're in charge of our own happiness, right? Making sure that, that we are, are living a life of gratitude, that, that we are forgiving ourselves, that we are forgiving others, that, that we are not comparing ourselves to other people, These types of things that that we are are looking for God because he still can be found. So make sure you are looking for him in all these different places. And that we really want to be the person that is living our life on the rock, which is Jesus. And that we don't start depending on something outside of ourselves that is anything other than Jesus. That we don't depend on our money. We don't depend on looks. We don't depend on popularity. We don't depend on our job. We don't depend on our age. Whatever it might be. We don't depend solely on our spouse, our partner, our children. We don't depend on our pets, right? That we really have our first dependence and deepest dependence on God. So let's talk about some things then to not do, as we've talked the first 40 minutes on what to do. So I want you to stop spending time with the wrong people. Okay, life is way too short to spend time with people who really take happiness away from you. Someone that is a hateful person, someone that's a judgmental person all the time, someone that's dishonest, someone that is not appreciative of you, that mistreats you or even abuses you. That takes advantage of you that someone that doesn't even recognize or acknowledge your worth or that doesn't stand beside you in hard times so be careful who you spend time with because that person that you spend a great amount of time with is either is going to encourage you to be a better version of you or they will corrupt your soul and you will become worse because you're with them and this is just humanity we become like who we are with and we have to be very careful that we spend a great amount of time with people that help us be a better version of ourselves that require it that are working on it as well so i want you to also stop running away from problems everybody has problems You know, I've been a a psychotherapist for over 25 years. Everybody has problems. And everybody doesn't work on them. That's the difference. I always am saying to my clients, you know, the people in my office are actually the safest and the healthiest people on the planet. Because they're the ones that are facing things and actually working on things. And they are the ones changing. So make sure that you actually recognize I'm not going to have a bunch of shame about my problems I'm going to simply say this is it this is me doesn't have to be me forever I need to help on changing me so that I am more of who God wants me to be because God sees everything and he still loves you he isn't discovering you he isn't going oh wow I didn't know Cynthia was that bad wow if I would have known that God knows me much better than I ever could ever know myself. And he loves me more deeply than anyone could ever love me. So we need to face us. We need to face who we are. We need to face what we do. We need to face whatever proclivities or, or intentions or motivations or compulsions or obsessions. We need to face those. God's facing them. He's not shying away from them and he hasn't left us. So we need to be brave, we need to be courageous, and we need to face them and not run away from them, deny them, and ignore them. And that leads to we need to then stop lying to ourselves. Everybody does. We all struggle with it. We all want to be in denial, and denial is a form of lying. That's all it is. And so I'm always thankful when, you know, people that love me overlook certain things while I'm working on them. That's very helpful to me. But I'm not in denial about it. And I'm not going to be lying to myself or to them. Because that doesn't help anyone. And it doesn't honor God. And that is building my house on sand. Living in denial and lying to yourself is building your house on the sand, because it will not support your life. You will implode, It will cave. So you want to make sure that you don't lie to you. Because if you don't lie to you, you know what is so magical about that? You will probably not lie to other people. And you probably won't lie to God. And so it is a hard thing. It's a hard character quality to work on. And unfortunately, our society right now doesn't necessarily revere honest people and revere honesty. So we need to be different than the world. We need to say, you know what, even if the world accepts dishonesty as a way of living, and actually reveres it, we're not going to be those people. And so what that really leads to as well, if I'm not living in denial, I'm not lying to myself, you know, I'm, I'm not spending time with the wrong people. And I'm not running away from my problems then it helps me to actually address what I need. And to not always be putting my needs on the back burner as if that's somehow some, some like uh, grandiose way of living or, so, or something that would be admired, some admirable way of living. Putting your needs on the back burner simply just means that you'll need more things. Right? I say to my clients all the time, imagine if I didn't take care of myself. Imagine if I didn't take care of what I needed. I wouldn't be able to be here for you. See, Taking care of your needs is a responsibility. It's a way that you honor God. Imagine if you gave your children to someone for the weekend and they didn't take care of your kids. They didn't give them what they needed. you, You asked them to take care of your pet and they forgot to feed your pet. See, God is saying, you're the primary caregiver of you. You're with yourself 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Take care of the one I care about. So we don't want to put our needs on the back burner all the time and think that that's somehow some, something admirable and something that is self-sacrificial. Really what it is is irresponsible because needs are different than wants. I need to sleep. I need to eat. I need to rest. I need to be able to laugh. I need to have alone time. I need to be with people. I need to spend time with God. I need to exercise. All these things that just make a human being work. We need, and you need what you need. You may need some things other people don't need. You may need more downtime than somebody else. You may need more sleep than other people. You don't ever have to apologize for what you need. You simply need what you need. And when you give yourself what you need, you'll be amazed at how maybe you don't want as much. And so the wanting isn't as prolific when you're actually giving yourself what you need. And this helps us then to not try to be someone that we're not. I I really am a firm believer that trying to be somebody that you're not is probably one of the biggest offenses to God. Because he loves what he made. And he made you the way he made you for a very specific reason whether the world gets it or not, whether the world likes you or not, whether you're in style or in vogue now, is pretty irrelevant. Because God made you for himself. And he was very happy and pleased that he made you. And trying to be somebody that he didn't create is an affront to an artist. Right? If you know anyone that is an artist and creates things, they don't like their stuff being changed musicians. They don't like their songs being changed and reworked. And so you want to think of yourself as a created being, and you are beautifully and wonderfully made. That's what Psalms 139 tells you, that he knew you before he formed you, he created you in your mother's womb, how beautifully and wonderfully made you are. And see, we try to look at beautiful and wonderful through the eyes of the world instead of through the eyes of God. So don't be somebody that you're not. Simply be the best you ever, because nobody can compete with you. You're the only one that's ever been. So you can't, nobody can compete with you and be a better version of you. And we talked a little earlier in the the first half hour about really letting the past be the past. And it's very important that you don't hold the past over yourself. Now, if your past keeps being present, and is maybe creating a future for yourself. I want you to look at that. I want you to look at patterns in your life. I want you to look at what seems to be an enduring quality, especially if it's a negative one. That we we want to recognize that the moment that we have is the only moment, really, that is ours. Because as soon as that moment passes, it's now the past. And the past, if it, doesn't stay in the past, then becomes our present, and our present time then indicates and maybe changes or creates future. So you have to understand that the only power over the future we have is to do the the present time that we're in. That's how we have a better future, is to manage the moment that we actually have. So I want you to, I, I really want you to make really... Really be cognizant of your present moment and how you're living it. And is it going to give you the future that you want? Because I don't want you to be scared all the time and make mistakes, okay? Even if you make a mistake in the moment, if you learn from it, then it has merit. And I don't want you to berate yourself for old mistakes. So there are some really important things you can do that make this year a memorable year. And a positive memory, even if it has some negative, painful things within it. And maybe some things have already occurred for you. So I really pray God's blessing over you. And I really pray God's blessing over 2019 for you. And that if you are here, then you are here for a reason. And God is very happy that he made you. And he wants you to enjoy you as much as he enjoys you and wants to enjoy you. So be the best version of you. Really ask God who you are and how you can be the best you for him and for the ones that you love and for yourself so that you actually enjoy who you are. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today. Make sure you check out the website, all of the social media that we have, And if you would like me to do a show on any particular topic, you're very welcome to email me at CynthiaHyatt.com and we can do a show on whatever it is that you are needing or wanting. God bless you this week.
0: To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, Please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember: be your own best version.